Byron, Mississippi, it's Lakeshore Church. And Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Some say, Brother Jay, that's not strange. You might, it's strong, but that's not really that strange. You don't think it is? If I said to you, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, then you take up the electric chair. You take up the lethal injection needle. You, you see it now? This was a new concept. For, for the people of that day, all they knew about the crucifixion was you walked down the road and somebody was sentenced to life, was sentenced to execution, and they were put on a cross on the side of the road, and people went by. Hmm. People spit on them. I don't want to say too much to kids in here, but people urinated on them. We, if you go study it, they weren't all up in the sky the way we depict it today. Many times crucifixes were right by the road and they were almost eye level with people. So when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, that was very strange. You get it? Very. All right. And so continue. Verse number 25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. That's strange. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? Let's pray. We thank you, Lord. Uh, God, today, you, you know we need you. Uh, we need to understand afresh and anew what it means to carry a cross and what it means to die on a cross and what it means to get to the cross of salvation. And Lord, uh, may my words be yours and thoughts be yours. And may every one of us walk in obedience today. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. As you're settling in, I often talk today, it, it, it's, it doesn't seem to be as vogue as it was, say, 20 years ago. But I remember the time you couldn't have a, pa you couldn't have a conversation with a pastor that he wouldn't ask you what your mission statement is. And business is the same way. You've got to have a mission statement and a purpose statement of why do you exist. Well, I want to tell you this today, that uh, when I think of mission statements and purpose statements, I, I really think it should be grounded in the Word of God. I find no greater verse in the entire Word of God that shows us what our mission statement should be. Now, when we expand on that, and we share that with other people, but in totality, the three crosses on your left, they're seen in this verse, if... You know, salvation, separation is we deny ourselves. we pick up our cross, which is the cross of service. Every one of us has spiritual gifts. We've talked about that. We'll be talking about that some more in 24. So we see that, and all of it's based in obedience. You're not going far in your, your relationship with the Lord if it's not based in obedience. I hope you see the progression, too. That's where the sermon title came from, if, if to then, to all in. See, today, everybody's not going to heaven. I often think about it with an athlete, and they talk about this, that, and the other about heaven, and somebody says somebody passed away, and they're better off. And I'm saying, they're only better off if they know Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, that's not told. It makes me wonder. But if, this is major. You're going to hear this coming up in January. I've decided that January, February, at least, I'm going to be looking at the Genesis issues, how we got where we are. It is amazing how many things... Thousands of years later, in American society, have to do with Genesis. It's amazing. It's also amazing that I think darkness wants to get as far away from the light as it can, okay? So that's for, for later on. But if, 
This is major. God made us to have free will. God, he set it up. It's not love. It's not commitment if you don't have free will. God made us this way, that you and I have a choice every day of our life. If a person knows Jesus Christ, they didn't get it by osmosis. They got it by a decision they made for Christ. In every part of our life, there's decisions that we make. And I put down, yes, it is a Genesis issue, if. But then I put in the sermon title, if to then. Then is what I've entitled today is when somebody accepts Christ, when they become a new creation, a new creature. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says this very well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ, it didn't say if they were in America or if they were this or that or the other. It didn't talk about economic status. It didn't talk about their educational level. If they're in Christ, they're a new creation. So if, in this verse, I want you to understand, that's going from if to then. And let me say this, and i got to be clear about it. If you're going to heaven, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 must be a part of your portfolio. No other way. Jesus said it in John 14, 6. There's a change. <laughs> you know, they're a new creation. How, how big's the change? The old has passed away and the new has come. That's how big a change it is, 180. You know, this is a teaching moment, if you will, and we need to hear this. But in 1 Corinthians, the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3, beginning of chapter 3, there were three types of individuals that were described. One is the natural man who can't understand spiritual things because he, what we would say, he's lost. He's unregenerated. He's not been a part of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The third man is the spiritually mature. Paul goes on, and you'll see it. Paul talks about that. He said that I can't give you meat because you're still on the milk. You haven't grown up. But listen to me very carefully. Paul identified a second group of people, and it is the redeemed. The church needs to hear this. Pastors need to hear this. People don't get saved and become mature Christians overnight. I didn't give the keys to the car to my kids when they were three. So we understand maturation. We understand growth. But this is what Paul said. Paul said is that there were babes in Christ, but yet they were carnal. They were fleshly, but they were babes in Christ. I remember in my own theological learning, I grew up in a church setting that, you know, somebody sinned, they were lost. And, and I won't go into all that, but, but we need to understand is that when a baby is a baby, they've got growing they've got to do. Church, we need to hear this because sometimes we don't extend much grace to people when they're working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? I mean, we see somebody do something or say something. Oh, oh no, I thought they were saved. There's no way they could be saved and say that or do that. That's not what Paul said. Paul said we're going to be a babe in Christ and a babe in Christ is carnal. They operate in the flesh a lot of times in their life. Now listen to me. He also, he also scolded them because he said some of you guys are still babes in Christ and you should have grown more than you've grown. So it's not an excuse. Well, I just can't do any better because I'm a babe in Christ. God expects us to grow. Okay? So it's if to them, but watch this, it's, it gets to all in. I call it the Lordship of Christ. I think Paul can say it. I'm going to read it, but I think Paul wrote it better than I can say it. And it's in God's inspired word, and I want you to see it today. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 4 through 11. Oh, man, that's a lot of verses. Listen to this. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. <laughs> Because Paul was well read. Listen, he was, I, I was circumcised the eighth day, all right, of the nation of Israel. That took care of the Jewish part, amen? 
I was the tribe of Jim, uh, Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding righteousness, that is in the law, blameless. <laughs> but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'm going to have to stand up or run around with this chair in my hand. Because of him, I have suffered. Listen to this now. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things. You got to go back to that pedigree stuff, by the way. And consider them as dung. Y'all ready? You might not understand that word. You, you ready for one? Poop. Y'all still with me? See, the kids are in here. They need to go to children's church. I want them to remember that word after church. I, I, I've considered, the, suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung, refuge, that I may gain Christ hmm. and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law. And you've got to realize how big that was for Paul to say that because everything he was was based in his learning, was based in the law. Be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Are you enjoying this? <laughs> my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will, be some, I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. If is lost, then is saved, but you got work to do. God has called all of us to be all in. Hmm. A great question when I talk about the Lordship of Christ. Is Christ the Lord of your life? Do you go to him and ask him? Do you let him be the authority? Or is it a tug of war? I will tell you this, you know, uh, the ladder of Lakeshore that we developed will help you. Please, please see that. Please make that a goal of 24, that if you're a worship goer in our gatherings here, make it a goal the next year that you're going to become a small part of small groups. If you, haven't, you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, then get, find them out and then put them in practice in your life. Uh, the lake, it, it does. The latter, it, it does. It fleshes this out really well for our own individual lives. It does. All in. Let me give you some dynamics of this verse. When I think about this verse, and I, I have preached it so many times in so many ways and have referenced it hundreds of times, but uh, some new, new stuff just on my heart for this, and some of it's uh, intertwined. But dynamics, now, the first one I need to share with you is there's a consciousness here. we got to be conscious of it. And what I mean by that, it starts in your head. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how many times people truly get it. Sometimes we think... Well, I because association, I'm okay. You know, we need to understand that this thing of our head, that the desire precedes the decision. You know? If, 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 you, if, you, if God's going to do something in your life, he's not going to do it around you. He's not going to do it on top of your head. He's going to do it because you desire for it to be done. If there's a person here that doesn't know Christ, you will never be converted until you desire to be converted. If we want the next rung of the ladder, and I'm just talking about the ladder of Lakeshore, but it fits. If I want to grow more, if I want to be more what God wants me to be, it starts with a desire before a decision. Because the decision won't keep you there. It's when that desire sets in you. You know that. 
Oh, listen. A great example is the parable of the prodigal son. You remember it? You remember how he wanted his and he got his and he went out and he spent it? And then he found himself in the hog pen, which was the worst place a Jew could ever be. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 15. When he came to his senses, <laughs> he said, how many of my father's hired workers have it more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. See, before he went, before he threw his leg over the, hog, over the fence of the hog pen, before he got to the father's house, before he was reconciled, before anything happened, he came to himself. He came to his senses. And listen to me, folks. You got, we got to get this. Jay's got to get it. If I want the next ladder, the next rung of the ladder, if I want something more for, for Lakeshore, if I want something more in my own life that brings glory and honor to God, if you want that, then we've got to come to ourselves first. We got to want it before it occurs. And I think people miss this. I think people think, well, God can do whatever God wants to do. No, he can't. What? That's heresy. No, God put free will in there. See? You don't want to be saved, God can't save you. Right, there's some hard times that I pray with people. There's some hard times that parents and people are praying for people that don't know the Lord. And we can intercede, and when they don't know how to pray, we can pray for them. But listen, some people are going to die lost because they don't desire and will never desire what God wants to do in their life. Breaks my heart. But we got to understand this. I wrote it down this way. Everything starts with a, started with a state of mind. Don't ever forget that. That's key. All right? Everything, including decisions, even sin, starts with a thought. Secondly, the dynamics of this verse. Number two is consistent. There's a consistent pattern. I, I got to go on because I, I, I've been enjoying too much of this already. If always precedes then, then don't get it backwards. Then always precedes all in. There are religions out there that will sell you a product that if you'll be all in, that it will take care of then and if. And that's not biblical. Hmm. Before God cleans up your act, he wants to be in your act. Before he cleans up your life, he wants to be in your life. He's not going to clean up your life so that he can come into your life. The scripture says he'll knock on the door, and if you open the door, he didn't say you had to clean your house up. He said he'd come in. Hmm. If's a big word, by the way. Let me show some of them to you. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people. And you know the rest of it. You've heard it before. But if. You know what that if is? That's that consistent pattern that starts with if, that turns to then, that turns to all in. Then it shows you some other ones. John 14.15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I love you, Lord. I used to pray that. I used to start my prayers out, and I go, I'm going to stop that one. Because I felt too much conviction sometimes. I'd say, Lord, you know I love you. And the Lord would say, well, what about that attitude you got in your life? What about that person, that persecuting you're doing? What about that harboring you're doing in your life? Well, I don't want to say that, Lord. Lord, I like you. <laughs> but you know what? We need to hear this, don't we? If we love him, we need to keep his commands. We get that confused a lot of times. People think saved folks love Jesus. No, no, no. Saved folks are loved by Jesus. If I love him, I live like God wants me to live. Hmm. Show you a couple more. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Sounds like I can have a two-car sports car when I got four kids at the house. Two-door sports car. That's for one of my favorites. 
I used to love, I, I'm so old, it was a 200 ZX, you know, 280 ZX. Y'all remember that? It was called a Datsun. It wasn't even a Nissan. Now it's matured itself to Nissan. I don't know how it happened. But I remember thinking it was God's will for me to have a two-door sports car. And now I got three kids, and I think, you ever seen somebody putting a, putting a car seat in the back seat of a two-door sports car? You know what that's called? Back surgery. That's what that's called. But how many times we say, if we pray about it long, it's God's will. Don't matter that I'm going to blow my back out. I hope you get an understanding here. There's a lot of times we say, oh, it's God's will because I prayed about it. What did God say about it? See, if you remain, and, and I love this verse because I think when you remain in God, I think what you want will be what God wants for you. Just a thought. Give you one more, and I love it. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins. <laughs> some say, Brother Jay, and I got some guys that I really love to preach, that I've loved to pre- listen to them preach for years, and some of them are in heaven now. And this is one of the major disagreements I have with folks. If we're forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future, then why are there verses in here for me to confess my sins? Huh? If I'm forgiven of all my sins that I will ever commit, and I'm not even committed yet, but I'm forgiven of them, then why do I ever have to ask God to forgive me? Some of y'all look at me like a bull at a new gate. Anyway, if we confess our sins, if, that's great news, by the way, he is faithful and just. Isn't that good stuff? I got to move on. All right? Time's running. Let me give you some more. When I think of, I got two more. Dynamics of this verse. Connection is a must. I'm going to scare you to death. Where's Joe? I, I see Joe Lewis back there. Everything I know in electrical work, Joe Lewis taught me. Okay? And he's laughing most of all and shaking his head no, by the way. All right? He's a certified electrician. Uh, I've been doing a lot of electrical work lately. Uh, putting in outlets and stuff like that. And... Um, Myself and a friend of mine were doing something, and it wasn't hooked up right, and he stuck the screwdriver in there, and it sparked. We made a connection. (laughs) And the next time he went back with a screwdriver, I was at least 10 feet away from him, saying things like this, you got this, I trust you, I know you're able to do this. Connection is a must. And the reason I I mentioned electricity, we knew when we, when, when we grounded it, you understand? We, we knew when connection was made, the screwdriver let us know. You know when you did it the right way, you put the outlet in because you plugged something in. And here's the thought, it works. Why have we gotten it so, we, excuse me, but why have we dumbed it down? Why have we dumbed it down and people can't articulate and talk about a connection? They can't talk about peace in their life. They can't talk about walking with the Lord. It's some kind of, it's some kind of regiment they're going through, some kind of regulation. Listen, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. He walks with us and he talks with us. Connection is a must. It's a must. (laughs) I've said it in a while, but this past year has been my year of jubilee. I just turned 58 a couple of months ago. When I was seven years old, I accepted the Lord. 50 years later, I still remember the peace. I still remember the connection. I still remember when the screwdriver touched the ground and it it made a circuit. I still remember the joy. Seven years old. I remember what it was like to know that there was nothing between my soul and my Savior. I still experience that today when you take God's Word and have a devotional time and God speaks to your heart and you commune with Him as friend with friend. Connection is a must. Let's not water it down like everybody goes. Our good people go. Our church people go. The only people that are going are the ones that have a connection with Almighty God. 
My name is in the book. My life has been changed. I have a hope for heaven. It's if I was already there because I have a connection. Roy's upset because I'm screaming again. You know what the connection is? The connection is a title and a deed. In my spiritual pocket today, I have a title and a deed that I'm part of the family of God. In my spiritual pocket today, I have a reservation in heaven as if I was already there. (laughs) Today, I have a birthright. I'm part of the family of God. I'm the child of God. I have a seat at God's table. Do I deserve any of this that I'm talking about? No. Do you deserve any of this that I'm talking about? No. But God loved us more than you could ever imagine that he gave the very best he could have so that we could have this hope today. My name's in the book. (laughs) Help me. Wow. (laughs) Last dynamics of the verse. There's commitment levels that exist. While we're here, before we leave this world, there's percentages, if you will. Some months back, I preached a sermon entitled, I Surrender All. Y'all remember that? You remember the real sermon title? It was, I Surrender Almost. Hmm? Why has that hymn lasted all of these years? Because it was so to the heart of people. God doesn't want half. He doesn't want a quarter. He doesn't want just every now and then. He wants all. He wants to be Lord. But I'll tell you this. This might give me a little hot water, but I'm going to challenge you to go dig in God's Word. I think there can be fluctuations between if and then and all in. (laughs) I think Jay can be all in today, and I can start backing up, and at best I know Christ is my Savior. There's people that will they'll debate all day long whether somebody can be saved and not be lost again or whatever. All I can tell you is get in the book and start studying it out. I know some people that have come out and I'm not even going to name religions and I'm not going to name platforms because all it, that's all you'll hear. You'll miss the other 30 minutes. But I challenge you to go look in God's Word. I'm going to give you a little bit to show you fluctuation. Not everybody all in stays all in, folks. I'm not here to hurt. I'm not just talking about Lakeshore. I have a 37-year pedigree now of pastoring. I've seen a lot of people at a time of their life were committed to the Lord far more than I ever was. And today they don't darken the door of God's house or it seemed like give God a second thought in their life. I'm not here to say whether they're saved or whether they're lost or whether they had it or they went back. Well, I will tell you, there are fluctuations because I've seen too many of them to say it doesn't exist. I've known so many people that were so on fire for God, you'd have to put water on them to put them out. But somehow water got put on them. And they're not there anymore. And they went back. And it breaks my heart. One of my mentors early in my life with the Lord, preteen and early teen years, there was a man that I thought he was the Apostle Paul. I thought, man, he could name it and claim it. And when he talked to Jesus, Jesus stood still and listened to him. And the last time I saw him, he wouldn't even look me in the face. He was so far away from God. So don't say that when you get somewhere that there's not fluctuations that are there. I'm not here to hurt, but I'm here to inform. And it's high time for the child of God to get in God's word and see what God's word says about it. Amen? Amen. I didn't hear all of you amen, so I hope you're not offended. It's amazing. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That lets me know there are people that need God to come in. Amen? (laughs) 2 Peter chapter 2. 
this might hurt a little bit. For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. The last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they know it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returned to its own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. The reason I chose that is for you see, do you see, do you see fluctuation? Do you see a person that was there and they went back? Do you see a person that was growing and all of a sudden it stopped and they began to go the other direction? That's all I want you to see. It's not here to offend. I want you to know that there are commitment levels that exist. If, if God's called you to more, if he's called you to the next rung, don't be satisfied where you are. Don't be satisfied with mediocrity when God wants to show out in your life, folks. Amen? you got to get this. We need to understand that God's called us to more, not less. He hasn't called us just to get by. He hasn't called us to a greasy grace. He's called us to amazing grace that he wants to perform in our life. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. But Jesus said to him, No one has put his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, Brother Jay, what about this? It's not, it's, not, it's not what the Word says. Can't I have this? It's not what the Word says. If you know in your heart that God has a direction for your life, quit looking back. Huh? Here's a thought. Jay needs to hear this too. Let's get over it. Let's quit going back to the cemetery if I'm alive in here. If it was bad yesterday, let me quit living back there. Let me look forward instead of backwards. Hmm. Fit for the kingdom. God's looking for some people to be fit for the kingdom. Fit. Not somebody just getting by. Y'all follow me? Commitment levels exist. And listen, it's up to us. Well, God will do it, Brother Jake. No, he won't. He's provided all the power within us. Guys, I'm going to give you, Kim, you got to do this. Ephesians 3.20. It's not in my notes. I'll show you this. It's in us. It's not in him. But some of brothers, I can't do anybody. Mm-hmm. God's already set it in place. We just got to want it. We got to want that commitment. We got to want that next level. And quit excusing less. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that you could ask or think. Watch this now. According to the power that works in who? <laughs> if he's in there, it's in there. We need to quit explaining it away, giving more credit to the devil in the Garden of Eden than we do for Jesus and his Father and the Holy Spirit on the cross at Calvary. I can't say it again. Let me give you one more. You had enough? Five of you have not had enough. Galatians 5. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So, Brother Jay, what's that mean? It's your choice. It's my choice. If I want to excel, guess what? Excellence is out there for me. If I want to get by, mediocrity is there for me. If I want to stay lost and act like I'm saved and everybody knows, but you know deep in your heart that you ain't got him, it's there for you. Our choice. Hmm. Doug Carter comes to mind. I got all kinds of things coming in my mind, so I hope it's all of the Lord. But Doug Carter, my living mentor, the one I would say right now is left. Doug Carter said it this way. He said, a lot of Christians today are like half-filled cups trying to overflow. We want other people to see our commitment 
but really there's not the level of commitment that's overflowing on Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, just as Jesus died on the cross for us to be saved, you and I have to die on that spiritual cross so he can be Lord of our life. You can read the rest of the verse. You can see, we, we, though we live in the flesh, we're really living in the spirit, <laughs> the faith that we have in the Son of God.